Funding for WPLN News comes from you, our listeners, and Bernstein Private Wealth, working with creators and innovators to invest with intention and build the legacy they want to leave behind. More at Bernstein.com. I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. One of the amazing things about living in Music City is that you can find pretty much any genre of music performed by top-notch players. That certainly holds true for Latin music. Maybe you want to check out a salsa band or some bachata. Perhaps you're craving some Afro-Caribbean jazz or even some hard-hitting rock. Latino musicians, singers, and songwriters have been making their presence known in our city for decades. And today, the scene continues to evolve. We'll meet artists and learn about what inspires them and where they see and what they see coming up next for Latin music in our city. That's all coming up later this hour. But first, it's time for Add Us. Each week, we take time to read the comments so you don't have to. Yes, I am encouraging you to literally at us on Twitter at ThisIsNashville and on Instagram at ThisIsNashville underscore WPLN. Joining me now with a look back at our past week is our senior producer, Steve Harouche. Hey, Khalil. How's it going? It's going all right. It's nice to be... uh, Back in the stew, as I believe the young people once called it. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Yes, they did. Okay, so what have our listeners been saying this week? Well, for that, I would like to begin at the end. Okay. Uh, Hmm. Yeah, so um, as regular listeners know, you always end the show by saying... Be good to each other. Exactly. And Rusty Dallas messaged us on Instagram to say, quote, I love your sign-off. My late mother said that every time we left her house always makes me smile. Ah, that is so sweet. Well, last week we did a show on a subject that got a lot less sweet, road rage. Yeah, much less sweet. Um, but uh, during that show, we, we actually got quite a few tweets with advice for how we can, you know, all treat each other a little better out here on these Nashville streets. Mm-hmm. Um, So, you know, that was actually pretty encouraging. And uh, one of those was from Tom Johnson, who said, quote, has there been any sort of campaign to promote highway etiquette? For example, when merging lanes are backed up, each driver in the continuing a lane allows one from the terminating lane to get in front at the merge point would make things more orderly and maybe less tense. Now, I think this might be a reference to one of your favorite concepts. Indeed, it may be. Um, I am... We are talking here about the zipper merge. Mm -hmm. Some studies that I may or may not have actually read have shown that it allows traffic to move 40% faster than what happens when some people merge right away and back things up and then other people zoom to the front. Anyway, zipper merge. I'm behind it. Uh, You will be happy to hear that I was a part of a zipper merge on my way to work this morning. I... I appreciate you, Cleo. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I try. You know, so we're on to a very, very different note. This Monday show was a good one. We we talked about the ways African-American political power has been diluted over the past decades. It was a really deep conversation. And, you know, this happens a lot. And our was just not enough. Mm-hmm. So we ran out of time and we got to get in all of the listener questions. Yeah, um, for sure. So uh, lucky for us, uh, MTSU political science professor Seku Franklin and state representative Vincent Dixie were nice enough to stick around after the show to answer one question we got. Uh, it came in the form of a tweet from Ashford Hughes Sr. who asked, quote, what does history inform us 
as to how to organize, lobby, and impact policies for justice in this current political landscape. Professor Franklin brought up how black lawmakers in the 70s would basically get together and withhold their votes Mm. uh, for constitutional officers unless the governor agreed to appoint African-Americans to executive positions. So, um, And then he went on some. So let's listen to a little bit more of what Professor Franklin had to say. We find historically that where African-American lawmakers may be the most influential is in the amendment process. Mm. And at the state legislature, studying amendments is hard to do because amendments are often done through voice votes. And oftentimes what black lawmakers have done is, and this is not just in Tennessee, but this is the research across the country, is that they've taken a bad bill and made it less bad. Mm. They've taken a good bill and made it better. But it doesn't show up in bill sponsorships. It doesn't show up in the media. But this is one of the ways, and it doesn't show up often even on paper because sometimes there are voice votes. He also said that state senator Brenda Gilmore helped the community oversight board effort by getting clarification from the state attorney general about whether the board had subpoena power. They do for now anyway. But so basically, it's not just about getting laws passed, Mm -hmm. but for the lawmakers perspective, here's what some of Representative Dixie had to say in response to Ashford's question. This is the reason why we needed the Black Caucus Retreat, why it's so, so needed, Um, because this is the opportunity for us to come together. Like I I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of organizations, people doing great work, but they're doing it in silos. If we can meet together to figure out which lane you are best in, you may think that you are great in business development, but you may be really good at registering people to vote. So how do we make sure we put the right people in the best position to perform? And that's one of the things we have to do when we get this retreat, because we need everybody from the grassroots organizations to the treetop organizations and everybody in between to get on the same page. Because right now we're just kind of disorganized right now. All right. So uh, moving on, Mm -hmm. our show on Tuesday was about new housing developments and whether they're keeping pace with all of the Nashville newcomers. Yes, and it's not just the tall and skinnies, however you feel about them. Now, in response to that show, we got an email from Gretchen Weber, who was not a big fan of one of our guests for that episode. That would be real estate agent Jade Utley. Gretchen says, in part, quote, I realize Jade is in the business to sell property, but his analysis was was essentially this hot market is making him a lot of money, so great for him. He was extremely tone deaf to the whole housing issue of people being able to afford anything. And I'm not talking about people who are unhoused or who have addiction issues or who have lost their jobs. I'm talking about college graduates who can't earn enough money to rent an apartment in Nashville, end quote. Yeah, um, definitely... um some of our other guests spoke to some of those issues mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, Jenica said she wanted to buy if she could, you know, even though Jade, Jade said you should buy. And she was like, well, I, I can't really. Um, and, and Jenica is able to afford monthly rent. That's basically as much as a decent sized mortgage. Um, but we w- wanted to get a sense of what the rental market is, is like, you know, sort of as a whole. And so we invited Jade on to talk about that from his perspective, you know, and we, we just try to feature a variety of voices on the show and just understanding that, Listeners aren't necessarily going to vibe with every single guest. That is absolutely true. Now, speaking of a vibe check, we've got 15 people running to be the next mayor of Nashville, unless someone has joined the race since we started this Which segment. Which seems possible. It does. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, we'll be doing a show on May 31st, centering questions from the community. And we want to know, what questions do you have? 
what questions do you want them to answer before you cast your vote in August? So uh, ahead of the episode, just go to our website, thisisnashville.org, and fill out the form with your questions, and maybe you'll hear them on the show. That is our senior producer, Steve Harouche. Thank you for this roundup, Steve, and I'll see you on the other side of the glass in about a minute, right? That's right. See you there. Don't forget to add us on Twitter and Instagram, and let's keep the comments coming. Also, fill out our community survey to let us know what topics you want us to cover at thisisnashville.org. It is super easy and quick and helps us produce shows with your needs and interests in mind. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll meet some veterans of the Latin music scene in our town. Who is your favorite Latin musical act in Nashville? Join the conversation by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. I'm Khalil Colonna, and this is Nashville. When I was younger, my mother would turn on our record player. Yes, I'm talking about vinyl, y'all. And she would play hits from the salsa greats, Tito Puente and Celia Cruz. It would be a lively affair of music and dancing. That's where I first learned how to salsa dance. If you don't know, learn. You'll be doing yourself a huge favor. Now, as I got older, I discovered Afro-Caribbean jazz by listening to Mongol Santa Maria and learned about the traditions of mariachi music from my time in California and the Southwest. From that, I grew to understand that Latin music is a part of American culture, and it has been for a while. Here in Nashville, the Latino community has been growing, and so has the Latin music scene. For decades, Latino musicians have been recording, performing, and paving the way for new and younger artists to come here and make their artistic vision possible. What did the scene look like 20 years ago? My first guest has been a trailblazer and role model for Latino musicians who've come to prosper here in Music City. I'd like to introduce singer and songwriter Rachel Rodriguez to the show. Rachel. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to This is Nashville. Hello. Thanks for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here with you a today. Pleasure to have you. Now, I understand you grew up in a musical family, right? I sure did. Where did your love for music come from? Well, it definitely came from growing up hearing my dad and my uncle singing mariachi songs, Tejano songs, and then and country music as well. They're from South Texas. And so there was always, always music playing in my house. Mm, that must be wonderful. It's great. So you grew up singing country, Tex-Mex, and mariachi. Did your taste change as you grew up? It did. It did because I was born and raised in Michigan. Okay. And so in, in a really small farming community with absolutely no diversity. So, so um, I got into rock and roll, you know, not too far. I, I'm about two hours outside of Detroit. Okay. Um, so that's where, and then growing up with a lot of teenagers and rock and roll and listening to all that music. So it, it changed into that. And then I actually grew into other genres when I came to Nashville. So tell me what brought you to Nashville? Country music, because I grew up singing country music at home and all over at festivals and bars and restaurants with my dad. And I wanted to continue with that. And I wanted to be a songwriter. I wanted to learn more about songwriting. And Nashville's the place to be. So I came here to pursue country music. Mm -hmm. 
tell me this. Where did you get the courage? I mean, you grew up in a small rural part of Michigan. Where'd you get the courage to pack it up, move away from your family to pursue your dream? Um, well, unfortunately and fortunately, I had a serious car accident and it was an incident that really, really changed my life. Mm. And it was a long, it was about a good two year process to recover from that and learn how to walk again and a lot of therapy and a lot of different, a couple of different surgeries. And so after that happened and being laid up in a bed for about a year and thinking about all I had was time and thinking about what do I want to do with my life because I'm still here and I've made it through this and I've always wanted to pursue music. And at that point, I'm like, what do I have to lose? I've already have hit rock bottom for me at that time when I was in my early 20s. Um, if somebody doesn't like my song or my voice, it's not going to kill me. I can still walk. Mm -hmm. My friends are still going to love me. My parents are still going to have nothing to lose. So it, it really gave me the courage and the bravery. I'm like, if I can survive this, I think I can handle just about anything. There's something magnificent about facing a near-death experience and how you approach life after. I had one in 2012. And after that, that's kind of where my broadcast career kind of kicked in. And I would never want anybody to go through that mm -hmm. because it was a very dark and challenging time. But I honestly believe, and I do know in my heart and the depths of my soul, had that not happened to me, I don't think I would have had the courage to move away because I was, I had a great, I had a great job. I had just recently gotten married. We bought a beautiful house. Everything was going great, but mm -hmm. there was just something that was like, there's more. I just know there's something a little bit more. And I'm going to go do it. <laughs> now, in your song, Coming Home, you sing about self-acceptance and coming into your own. You performed this song for the weekly web show live from the shop in 2021 with your band, The Gringo Stars. Let's listen. It's like a self-actualization in the lyrics. So tell me, who are your influences? Like, what were you listening to when you were that little girl who didn't fit in? Oh, wow. And it was such a torn time because at home I was listening to Ramon Ayala and Vicente Fernandez and um, all these Tejano and Mexican greats and a lot of country music. A lot of uh, my parents are from South Texas. That's where they were born and raised. Uh George Strait, King George is huge. And he, they actually, they went to the same school in a small little town in Pearsall, Texas. So mm. that's George Strait country right there. Um, I grew up with a lot of that. Some of the first songs I learned how to sing, though, and my, my number one is Linda Ronstadt. And she was a, an artist that nobody knew at the time was Mexican. 
Mm-hmm. And but she's saying country music. She's saying rock and roll. She's saying adult contemporary music. And then when she put out her mariachi album, Canciones de Mi Padre, that blew my mind and that really um, encouraged me to continue because my dad would always want me to sing canciones in Espanol. He always wanted me to learn how to sing songs in Spanish. And I would and I enjoyed doing it. But then when I had a role model and I had somebody at her level and could do both so well. I'm like, that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And so she's my big influence. Mm-hmm. My next guests are veterans of the Latin music scene here in our city as well. I'd like to introduce singer Perla Mendoza, Mendoza and her husband, Gabriel Navor, frontman and bassist for the band Proyecto Hey. Thank you both for being here with us today. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello. Now, no for listeners, Gabriel is going to translate for Perla. So, Perla, tell me, what kind of music do you make? Well, I'm doing a, like a Mexican music, you know, um, mariachi, pop, um, a little bit rock. Yeah, almost. She can, she can sing everything. <laughs> everything. <laughs> like, well, mostly everything. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say 90% of the songs. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a big catalog right there. It's a big catalog. So you've been involved in the Latin music scene for, for a long time here. What was it like when you first arrived? At the age of the 15s and the... Um, high school, when I'm with a high school, yeah. What was that environment like? Que como era el, el ambiente antes? Oh, where, um, here in, in Nashville, mm-hmm. uh, it's not a lot, uh, not, not a lot of music. It was very no. quiet. Yeah. It was quiet. It was, yes. we had some music, but it wasn't like, like now. Right now it's a yes. big boom of all kinds of Latin music. What did you have to do? To get a hold of it, did you just have to listen to tape, CDs, and records on your own? I mean, was there a, even a radio station out here playing stuff? Well, I'm speaking tr- of radio station, yes, I mean, I'm having a um, DJ radio for a long, long time. Yes. What? How do you like that experience? Well, I love it, <laughs> <laughs> but I have to decide uh, if you are a singer or you are radio DJ. That's a lot of time, I imagine, being a radio personality and then also pursuing a music career that takes time. What was it, how hard was it for you to make that decision to split your time between both of these loves? Yes, really hard, but um, I'm a star uh, singing and I love the the music, so I've decided to continue singing. Okay. And my husband uh, helped me a lot with this, um, doing me a, a videos and recording audios. Yeah, I'm basically for, her producer. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. My translator and my producer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay. Now, now, Gabriel, you are with the band Proyecto Hey. Yes, sir. Can you describe your sound? Myself, I am a man that cannot be still, you know. I'm always thinking about what to do, how to play, what to sing, what to listen to. I never listen to the same same style I'm always changing, you know, the music so I can get, you know, a, a taste for all kinds of music so I can get more influence mm. on what to play, how to play it. Mm. Yeah. So, so. so you take from all of these different genres, these yes. styles and these sounds. Yes. Take whatever really feeds you and you add that to what you're doing. Now. Exactly. I could listen. Um, I have my influences, like she said, influences from the Beatles and also, and I mix it with the Tejano music, you know, mariachi songs and stuff. And I kind of like, I'm kind of like the band Mana. You know Mana? You heard Mana before from Mexico, Guadalajara, Mexico? Hmm. They, that's what they did 
to become so successful. They integrated all kinds of Latin music, mariachi music, and let's say bachata music and salsa music, integrated it into their own style. Mm. That's what I'm trying to do too. I listen to all kinds of music and when I play, I try to put it into what I do. So let's say if I'm gonna sing a, a Norteño song, I try to, to, to do it you know, as original as possible to make it sound um, Tejano. If I'm playing rock music, same thing. I try to, you know, inspire by the people that I that I like and try to play it as legit as it should sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, there's there's one artist that I found in my discoveries over the year, Roberto Carlos. Yeah. Oh yeah. Is to watch his career change and he changed his sound in the 50s it was kind of suit and tie. <laughs> and then in the 60s, it got a little bit psychedelic. In the 70s, yeah. he got disco and funky. It's just a wonderful. I love all of his music. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil e. Colonna. We're talking this hour about the Latino music scene in our city with musicians Rachel Rodriguez, Perla Mendoza, and Gabriel Navor. Tweet us your comments at This Is Nashville. Now, now Perla, you help coordinate bands and venues, but primarily you work with restaurants to help book bands into them. How does yes. that work? Uh, well, it's like a well karaoke, and I'm doing a contest for um, the Latin um, singers, singers, and trying to help her to, um, you know, que la gente los conozca. We, uh, we we try to give the opportunity to everybody yeah. to. We've been doing this kind of contest, um, singing contest. This is our sixth installment, mm-hmm. seven, seven seven installment. Yeah. And from there, we have seen a lot of people that are, we give them the opportunity, of course, the winners, and then, uh, quote, losers, but they're not losers. There's mm-hmm. already winners. And those people are already working all yes. over Nashville. Okay. They form their bands. They have recorded uh, albums. Mariachis. And and they made mariachis also. And a lot of, a lot of them is because we gave him the opportunity to, you know, to grow. Because we want everybody to have a chance yeah. to be in the in the Latin music. Because for us, was um, fue muy um, difícil. It was really hard to start. To start really, really for us when we yeah. tried it, you know, kind of like you, your story. Yes. Mm-hmm. Same thing for us. We we were not like this uh, when when we started. We were kind of, como se dice, um, shy. We were shy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When we started, we were a little bit shy, but now, like, okay, we see those people that are coming to our shows or coming to our contest, and we see how they are, and we always talk to them, like, you know, just be yourself, breathe, and sing from the heart, and, and, and you might win, you might not win, but for, from being here in this contest, you're going to... You have achieved something, you know? Mm-hmm. Rachel, take us back to 20 years when you first got here and mm-hmm. you first started looking for gigs. <laughs> well, it was challenging. And for that reason, I had to be flexible and find create my own sound. Yes. I wanted to come here and do country music. And for about five years, it was really, really hard. I, I lived yes. on Broadway. It was up and down Broadway because I wanted to be in a honky-tonk. And... Mm-hmm. Um, and one night I had finished, I had sat in as a freelance, I do a lot of freelance singing for something, they needed a sub. And at the end of the night, the bar manager was like, you know, I just, I don't get it. You look like Selena, you sound like Aretha, <laughs> but you're singing a Tammy Wynette song. Wow. And but That's I grew, a combo right you there. You know, but I grew up now, if, 20, if, I, if I was that age now. I mean, you're a now, chameleon. Now, now that's what people, now, now that's what they're wanting. But mm-hmm. at the time, people listen with their eyes 
and I did not look like a country at that time was Shania, Faith Hill, Trisha Yearwood, Winona, and they all was doing all of their songs. That's what I grew up singing, but there were there wasn't a lot of diversity in country music then, and especially when it came to female artists. So yes, I had for to a female is really really hard. Mm-hmm. So I had to adapt because I said I didn't come here to not. I just wanted to do music, and so. I started singing in a band. Um, he's my compadre now. Actually, he's my son's godfather, and, we, and that's how I learned. He he helped me, right? It's those people that open up their their hearts and and their and their wings and tuck you under their wings and say, "I will support you." And it's how I sing, started singing funk and rock and soul. He's like, "I'll give you two songs a week to learn for our next gig." Huh. So then I started singing Aretha and Led Zeppelin and Shaka Khan and doing. I'm like, okay, I don't know if I can do this, but I applied. The methods of singing mariachi, which is a big, raw, emotional way of singing. Mm-hmm. There's no, you cannot hold back and sing mariachi music. I'm like, yes. well, if I... That's, it's, it's not easy singing mariachi. No, that's not it's easy. a big belting emotional thing. I'm like, oh, so if I want to, you know, sing some Led Zeppelin song and some rock songs or Etta <laughs> James, it's really raw and yeah. emotion. I just, I'm like, oh, it's like singing mariachi, but just yeah. in English. Uh-huh. This is beautiful. Now, now, Perla, we've been talking about you being in the music scene for a while, producing events. You even have your own media organization, Oye Media, but you are an incredible singer yourself. Oh, thank you. We're going to hear a little bit of your song, Sola Con Mi Soledad. Yes. takes me back to Albuquerque, New Mexico, big time. <laughs> now, tell me, what is the song about? This song is, um, this is a cover from Maricela. Maricela? Yeah, the, the, this, this, they had out on this Maricela, when it was nacida aquí en Estados Unidos. Okay. Yeah. Pero parece que es estilo de música tejana. Yes, like Texan. And, well, I'm from Chihuahua, Mexico, and I like the Norteñas. This is a Norteña music. Okay, okay. Now, you know, we can't mention the Latin music scene here without bringing up uh, Giovanni Rodriguez, yes. musician, composer, producer, arranger, band leader uh-huh. who hosts the weekly salsa night at Rudy's Jazz Club. He couldn't be in the studio with us, but because he is at this very moment, he's playing a gig. Whoa. It's a hardworking man. <laughs> but he spoke to our producer to give us a little lesson, history lesson on salsa. Let's listen. All the music is derived from Africa, whether it be the American music that I play or the uh, Latin American music that I play. It's all polyrhythmic music with uh, lots of syncopation. When the slaves were brought to the Americas in the Caribbean, they were allowed to have their instruments. So they weren't stripped of their instruments like they were in the United States. In the United States, they were stripped of their instruments because they were communicating to the drums. And so they were only left with their voices here. Except for New Orleans, where they were left with their instruments. So I guess a combination of European and African music in the United States would be what became jazz. 
and in the Caribbean, it, it developed into several different styles and it continues to, to progress. So in each country has a different, uh, several different styles of music. The word salsa has now become like the, the generic word for a style of music, which is based on a Cuban song, which is a Cuban rhythm. Dizzy Gillespie was playing in Cap Calloway's orchestra. And so was this Cuban instrumentalist who played several instruments named Mario Barça. And they, Dizzy and Mario Barça were friends and they were talking. And Dizzy was like, I want to play some of you guys' music, uh, if you know, like a percussionist. So he's like, well, I got a friend who's moving here. His name is Chano Pozo. Mario Barça introduced Dizzy to Chano Pozo. And then they started creating or mixing the sound of the big band sound that was popular back in the day with the Afro-Cuban sound. And then they became like, uh, they, they wrote a couple songs together and started creating that sound, which is now known as salsa back then. They used to call it mambo. So the word salsa means sauce. So it's a mix of everything. Now, Rachel, you and Giovanni play together sometimes. How much do these different genres of music influence each other? There's so much intermingling that happens. And for so at Rudy's, in fact, just this past Monday, we walked into Rudy's, my girlfriend, Marcela, Benia, and I, and um, and you just see all the taking. In fact, when, the last time I was there about a month ago, he's like, hey, Rach, do you happen to know At Last? And I'm like, yeah, I know At Last. He's like, well, let's try something. Mm. So we did At Last, and he's like, you'll feel it. I'm like, all right. So, I mean, that's what a jam is, right? Yeah. And so I sang At Last, and we turned it in, and he, we, he, we arranged it into the salsa, which was amazing. So to be able to do that, not only are we bringing two different styles of music together, but we're also creating this community because people, whether you speak the language or not, but if you know at last, whichever the whole world knows at last, and then you put, you know, a little salsa rhythm, but everyone's dancing and singing and participating. And so I think when you're able to cross all these different genres from pop music to blues music and R&B music, or rock music, like you said, like Mana, and you yes. put it into these Latin grooves, it's just mix it all up. Just mm. nothing but a bunch of positive energy and good vibes can happen. Mm -hmm. See, that's, that's the beauty of the music. Like for us, uh, Hispanic, Latin, everybody's welcome. I don't care what you believe. I don't care about your color, your age or whatever. We all become family. And the, we do the same thing with the music. Like Rachel and Perla, we take all these influences and we make it our own. And then by making that our own, we make you and or any other human being our own as a family. You know, that's the beauty of the music. Yes. Well, tell me, Perla, you, let me ask you, what do you want to see for the future of Latin music here in Nashville? Ay, que, uh, more opportunity for the, the people. Yeah. For young artists. Yes. To come in. Young artists, yes. Gabriel? I will say that I agree with her also. I would like to see more places like, let's say, ¿cómo se dice open mic stuff? ¿Cómo se? The open mic jams or open mic opportunities. Yeah, any, yes. I, will, I would like to see places, not just one place, but several places where, let's say, this Monday at 7 p.m., there's going to be a jam about this kind of music. On Thursday, anybody that's a songwriter, and most of it, Hispanic Latin music. Mm -hmm. That's what I would like to see because I see this in the um, in the American side. Any any day of the day, you can go to a place and then you can go sing your songs or you can do covers and then or you can do just 
go play with your band or jam with other musicians. I see that all the time. But now for my for my side, my Hispanic side, I want to see more of my musician friends and singer friends to do that kind of stuff. Let's let's do something like that. I want to thank my guests, Perla Mendoza and her husband, Gabriel Navor, frontman and bassist for the band Proyecto Hey. Thank Ooh. you both for thank being you. with us today. Thank really you for having it. us. Thank you for the opportunity for us to express ourselves. Thank you. It was wonderful to have you. Rachel Rodriguez will stick with us through the break. When we come back, we'll take a look at what the Latin music scene looks like now and check in with the new generation. What's your favorite Latin music style? Join the conversation by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. I'm Khalil Colonna, and this is Nashville. We are learning about the vibrant Latin music scene in our city. Before the break, we met some longtime veterans who've been performing and establishing a foundation for the next generation of musicians, singers, and songwriters to take part in. So what does that look like? And how is it evolving? My next guests are a part of the new wave. Raul Oyarse is the founder of Intimo Concert Series and leader of the band Apprendiz. With him is singer and songwriter Catalina. Raul, Catalina, thank you both for being here. Welcome to This is Nashville. Yes, thank you for having us. <laughs> this is fun. It's yeah. a lot of fun, a lot of fun. You know, in, in the previous segment, we heard about what the Latin music scene was like here in Nashville about 20 years ago. Raul, you came here a little bit after that period, but you weren't playing music back then. How did you get your start? I've been playing um, guitar since I was uh, in Chile. I'm from Chile, and I, and I moved to the States in 2005. So the guitar was always there, but just, you know, no more than a few chords. Okay. Um, I didn't know anything about Nashville being music city, you know, but um, I, I see it as a God call for me. You know, it, it was something uh, meant to happen. Uh, eventually, with the years, music, um, my relationship with music uh, just changed completely. And playing guitar, it was more than a hobby. It was like a therapy, you know, mm. being an immigrant, being away from family. Sometimes guitar was my only friend. So, you know, creating melodies for me, it was something that I fell in love with. And the more time I would spend with the guitar, the more I felt like I needed to continue doing it, you know. What was the scene like when you started playing around here? Probably just Rachel and 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 and, and two more. Um, this girl uh, Luna Morena and and her family. Uh, but it was uh, just like in Mexican restaurants. You could, could go and have dinner with your family, and I would see this uh, trio, you know, just playing. And um, I wasn't looking for music at the moment, but I remember just seeing that, you know. Um, Danny, Danny Salazar, Danny Salazar, that he, he, he was, um, San Rafael, San Rafael band. Yeah, there was a little, but, but, um, it was, um, nothing really diverse. Gotcha. It was everything related to probably, you know, some mixing music and all that. And little by little, you know, started changing. You were speaking of how it wasn't diverse. Did you have a desire to play Latin music only, or were you looking to play other styles as you got into the scene? Once I created the band, uh, at the time, I got together with three other um, rock 
guys, you know. Okay. So I grew up listening to rock music, uh, you know, Rage Against the Machine, Red Hot Chili Peppers, all that. So mm -hmm. I, it was in me already. Um, so when, when we created the band, it was mainly rock and Spanish, of course. And for me, it's, how, it's always been exciting to do something that is not on the table already. Mm -hmm. It was never something like, oh, let's play covers, let's play, no, like, let's create something. So uh, it started as, as rock. And then with the years and the more musicians I met, these days I do cumbia, reggae, I'm all over the place. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's, it's part of me. I guess. Mm. Now, now, Catalina, you are also from Chile. Mm -hmm. What kind of music did you grow up listening to? Um, the great Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears, like Backstreet Boys, all the all the mainstream pop, I guess, that mm -hmm. you would listen as a as a young 1993 <laughs> born kid. Um, <laughs> but I also grew up on a lot of like Barry White, Madonna, Michael Jackson, the Bee Gees. It was kind of like an eclectic mix between, you know, the cassette that I would play um, in the car and then my mom would take turns. So kind of like a little bit of that inspiration. Um, so it was a lot of that music. I haven't, I didn't really like start tapping into a lot of like Latin music until I moved here into Nashville, which is surprisingly funny. <laughs> Explain what happened with that. Because, you know, you're listening to this music, and I understand you wanted to be a performer and a singer. Mm -hmm. So you grow up wanting to be a very common American young person's pursuit, yeah. a pop star, a rock mm -hmm. star. You move to Nashville, and you begin to change your sound and what you're singing. Talk to me about that. Yeah, I mean, I moved uh, to the U.S. back in 2011 for college, studied music and sound recording up in the Northeast, chasing that dream, exactly what you're saying of like, I want to be a pop star, a rock star, name in, in lights, you know, maybe a Disney Channel show, right? When I'm like a young <laughs> teenager. Um, and then I, I kept trying to like fit into that mold once I got here. And you can hear it in my very embarrassingly first couple of albums or EPs, just like, I was trying to fit into something that I wasn't, and I, I really don't know, I couldn't explain to you what was that clicked when I moved down here into Nashville. I, I came to Nashville because it was, you know, I had visited a couple times, my best friend um, and bassist and our guitar player also, like, they had moved down here, and I was like, okay, it seems like the music city is where to go, but I was like, maybe a little country, is there going to be, like, a place for me, like... Mm -hmm. We'll take a look. Um, and then, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think seeing the freedom, I guess, in like genres and singer songwriters and how it was so much more than country and folk and Americana and that kind of thing. When I got down here, I was like, I don't know. It kind of inspired me. I, I felt that I could connect a little bit more. I might have been also like a lot more homesick because I'd mm. been here for so long by the okay. time I moved down here in 2016, like five ish years away from being in Chile. But um, yeah, I kind of like started. I started gravitating towards writing music in Spanish. Now, a lot of your music is in English, but on your latest album, Multifastica, the title track is entirely in Spanish. We're going to hear a little bit of that, and then I want you to talk to me about it.
That's really beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. What a good sound. <laughs> yeah, high fives all around. Hi, right? I love it. So how did your fans react to that song? Really good. It was like, I think that was the biggest like fear that I had um, when we started playing all these lives. So, like when I released this back in 2019, we were doing like some weekend warrior tours regionally, like playing it out. And at the very end of the song, there's like a gang vocal, right? Repeating multifacetica. So we were like, let's try and get the audience involved. We were playing a lot of so far sounds shows. So they were more intimate. Um, and I was always a little bit, you know, like weary because we're like, you know, we're in Tennessee. We're down south. So it's just a lot of like, you know, maybe not as liberal perhaps as like in the Northeast or other parts. So it's just like, how is it going to be received? And people would just like sing along. They'd be so willing to like learn how to say multifacetica, which is also a hard word to say if you're even a Spanish speaker. Um, but yeah, and people, that, that was kind of the song that opened the most doors for me in 2019, which was, you know, as a young artist, you are so caught up in, like, we were talking about this outside with Raul, but the content creation and kind of like the machine of the industry and all these things, you know, and you're like, oh, the title single is going to be this one because it's in English and it's rock and it's mm -hmm. going to sound good. And then, uh, yeah, Multifacetica just kind of hit and it, you know, got me... That song got me to be in like the Lightning 100 Music City Mayhem competition, opened doors to a couple other like, you know, getting to know people that I wanted to collaborate with or press articles that I never thought in a million years like someone was going to write a song or like write something about that song specifically in me. So it definitely it, to me it was a shock. I didn't expect anything, you know, other than just like really loving the song. I never thought in a million years that it would bring me all the awesome things that it did. One of those happy moments. Now, yeah. veteran singer and songwriter Rachel Rodriguez is still with us. Rachel, how would you say the scene has changed here since you first got your start? It's grown so much in the past, well, 20 years. So like Raul said, when I first came, I met Giovanni within the first couple of months, um, a San Rafael band, and Danny Salazar, I mean, there was, and Luna. So there was just a small awesome. handful, right? And we were doing like the restaurants and things like that, but I was still trying to do the country music thing. But now, I mean, with Raul and Gio and now with Plaza Mariachi, you know, now that there's a venue and a home and now there's, you can go every weekend and hear mariachi music. You can hear, you know, there's Melvin Macias. He's got his group too that's always playing out there and the Intimo events. Um, it's just grown. And the thing is that it's so different. Mm -hmm. It's not just salsa. It's not just mariachi. It's so it's Mexican rock. It's Mexican pop or not Mex Latino, Latino rock, Latino pop, singer, songwriter. Um, it now it's just grown just the same as there's so many different genres in American music. There's mm -hmm. a lot of different genres in Latino music. And because people are coming from their countries, they're bringing their flavor, they're bringing their sound and their mix. It's just great. I, it just, it warms my heart. Um, I wanted to ask you that, like, as someone who has helped to set that foundation for what we have today, how, how you feel looking at it now? I'm so proud I'm so proud and I'm so, make, I don't, I have a community now. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm not the only one anymore, you know. Um, but that always being said, I kind of always feel, I always call it the, the Selena complex because I was born and raised here. So 
to some other people, I might be gringa because I was born and raised here in the United States and I have a very gringa accent, even sometimes when I speak Spanish because I grew up singing, speaking Spanglish like we were talking because my folks are Tejanos from Texas. Um, but when I was the only Latina here, I was very Latin or too Mexican mm. for the for the country music scene and the and the Amer you know and for Nashville. So it's, I'm always in the I feel like I was in the middle of the road. But mm -hmm. but I'm so proud to be able to be a part of all the different communities, the rock community. Heavy I do heavy metal shows with rare hair, so I do <laughs> heavy metal <laughs> and I get to sing in a salsa van and I get to do and I do children's music and so it's just an, so, so now you can stay in all the lanes. Yeah, I love it. I love it and and everybody is so supportive and welcoming mm -hmm. and that's the thing and I want it to stay that way and 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 for us to be the example of being welcoming. Mm. and supportive of each other and everybody else. Now, Rachel just mentioned the Intimo concert series, and Raul, that is your thing. Talk to me about that. Intimo. So when I started my band, um, like we were just talking, there wasn't really many opportunities more than, you know, playing maybe on a restaurant. And you don't go to a restaurant to listen original music. It's like, you know, I want to listen to my Maria Jason, I don't know it. Mm. So for me, it was like, it'll be so cool to like being able to play in those venues that I would usually go to experience live music, you know, like Basement East or Mercy Lounge and that I believe is close and all these places. So um, I always say this way, I felt the need and I felt responsible for doing something about it. Not only for my band, for me, but, you know, for whoever would come, you know, later on. And um, I started sending emails. I learned how to send emails. I, I would ask my wife, like, like, is this the right way to say it? Like, you know, whatever you call like booking, you know, mm -hmm. and no response, of course, you know, I mean, these venues good girls get so many emails. And then from like Raul, who's Raul, like, no, not a chance. And after so long, Mike Grimes, uh, the owner of uh, The Basement, uh, he responded, he's like, man, I'm so sorry it took so long. Um, I have an opening next week. It was like a seven days notice. Uh, it was a Monday. Uh, I know you've been wanting to do a Latin night. You want to take the date? I mean, we don't have any expectations. Just, you know, do what you can. I was so excited. I got um, um, uh, Marcela Pinilla. I got another uh, songwriter, uh, um, I forgot his name. Anyway, we got four bands, completely different styles. And it was a Monday, seven days of promotion. I had to learn how to do uh, uh, the design of the flyer. We had like 150 people on, on our first show. Okay. And they, they were so surprised. Like, I didn't know there was a community. I didn't know there were such a great bands. I mean, especially, you know, the, the owners of these places, they're still amazed. And since then... It just took over, you know. Uh, it's been six years in the, since then doing monthly shows. And from there, we've been doing sold outs at Basement East, uh, playing Brooklyn Bowls. Like she said, the community has grown so much. And for me, it's still amazing, like, getting 700 Latinos from all around Latin America just to see live music. Mm. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, it's crazy, yeah. Okay, so you were talking about your music. Let's hear something that you've recorded with your friends back in 2020 with Apprendiz. This is Bonito, first part of a three-song right, medley. Right, medley. Yes. That's right. Bonita la gente que viene que va. Bonita la gente que no se detiene. Bonita la gente que no se detiene. Bonita la gente que no tiene edad. Que escucha, que entiende, que tiene 
bonito, pero es bonita La rumba bonito, José bonita La prisa que no tiene prisa Bonito ese día, respira, respira Bonita la gente cuando es de verdad Bonita la gente que es diferente Que tiembla, que siente, que vive el presente Bonita la gente que estuvo y no está bonito Todo me parece bonito I love it. That's a high energy. And I can hear the combination of so many different styles and influences. And I think that's what a lot of young people are coming here to town to do now. Catalina, what are resources for any young musician who wants to get into Latin music in town here? Where can they go to get that help they need? You know, that's a great question. Um, from my lens, at least, I, I think there's been a lot of like different spaces that have kind of like fostered. Like right now, you know, Rachel and I work um, with Girls for, Girls Right Nash. It's kind of like a mentorship program for girls from Metro Nashville Public Schools that want to like write their own songs, perf like perform them, record them. Um, and we have a couple of like Spanish speaking mentees. I'm working with one right now, which has been really like amazing to be able to kind of like coach her through the process of like songwriting, the process of production. So there's like avenues like that. I know you do a lot of, Rachel, a lot of like after school programs and just programming in general. But I think that like I th there's so many resources that since I've come to town that I've been able to use, whether it's like, you know, coaching programs where I get to learn a little bit more about booking, PR. Um, I work with music neighbors that also try and like foster um, kind of like a space for independent musicians to have access to video, photography, resources, content creation. There's Underground Music Collective. There's a bunch of different places and, and they're all amazing, but I definitely think that there's still, um, since the scene has grown so much in like 20 years, it's obviously going to grow 20 more years. And I think we have the opportunity now with the foundation that we have and the huge community to be able to implement some of those resources now okay. um, for the Hispanic and Latino community. Well, this has been an absolute, absolute treat. I want to thank you all for being here. My guests were singer and songwriter Catalina. She was joined by Raul Oyarse, the founder of Intimo and the leader of the band Apprentice and the singer-songwriter Rachel Rodriguez. Thank you all again. Really thank appreciate you so it. Much. Yeah, thank, you for thank you for having us. And we want to thank you for tuning in this hour. Tomorrow, it's Friday, so we're cracking a cold one and getting a better acquainted with our local beer scene. This is Nashville as a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Today's episode was produced by Magnolia McKay. Our, our senior producer is Steve Harouche. Our digital lead is Anna Geigos Cannon. Michaela Elias is our technical director. Our executive producer is Andrea Tudhope. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. Special thanks to Giovanni Rodriguez, Rosa Ponce, and Julie Height. Listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And you know the conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at thisisnashville. Find us on Instagram and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil Colonna. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And be good to each other. <laughs>